Lifestyle of Prayer. By Rod Anderson. Lesson 4. Father, again, we thank you for your word. Again, we just trust that you would grant us rich and strong measures, Lord, of your spirit. I really want the spirit of wisdom and revelation, Father. I want to know how to go in and how to go out and how to find green pasture. I want to know how to respond in a given situation, Lord. I want to know the mind of Christ when I look at a situation. I don't want to just do things every time the same way. I want to hear the voice of the good shepherd. We all want to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd at any given time that will say, this is the way, walk ye in it. This is what you do at this moment. This is what I want you to do today. It may be different than what you had me do yesterday. But Lord, that's what we want. And we just trust you, Father, to help us to learn more as we search your word and give ourselves to diligent study, Father. We're trusting that your spirit's gonna sneak up on us and just reveal himself to us in such a way that we do begin to walk and experience more and more of your fullness. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, this is hour number four on the Lifestyle of Prayer. We're on lesson three, and we're going through, which is page seven. We're looking at the seven steps to answered prayer. Just to review real quickly, the first was decide what you want from God. The second step to answered prayer was find the scriptures that promise the answer. The third step was then begin to ask God, just to ask Him for what you need. Ask the Father, and point two, it should say ask, there's a letter off there, ask the Father in Jesus' name is what it should say. Now, now the next one, it says steps to answer prayers, we begin. Step number four, then is out of, found in Mark 11, verse 23 and 24, and very basically it's that where it says you need to believe that you receive when you pray. So let's turn to Mark 11, and let's read these verses. Mark 11. Very familiar teachings here from the faith message. But you know, let's not call it from the faith message because this is from the Jesus message. <laughs> you hear me? This is what Jesus Christ said. And you know, I could teach these, this passage every day to myself and I would get built up in my faith because Jesus actually did this and he said this. And so we'll just start here. You know, he's gone to Bethesda, and on the way out, remember, he's cursed this fig tree. And you look up here in verse 12, in Mark 11, verse 12, it says, On the day following, when they had come away from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree covered with leaves, he, he went to see if he could find any fruit on it. For in the fig tree, the fruit appears at the same time as the leaves. But when he came up to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the fig season had not yet come. And he said to it, now we're going to teach a whole course on faith. I don't know that all of you will come or not, but we'll of course have to go to these passages when we do. But for a moment, don't turn off here when I read this because this is God's word and this is still true. No matter who else in the body of Christ may mess these teachings up, read what God said. And Jesus said, he turns to this tree, now listen, and he speaks to a tree. He speaks to an inanimate object, doesn't he? Doesn't he? He speaks to it. 
He doesn't pray for it. He speaks to it. And he says to this tree, no one ever again shall eat fruit from you. He calls it you. <laughs> no one shall ever eat fruit from you. And then it says his disciples were listening to what he said. Now, you have to remember, like you've heard me say over and over again, Jesus Christ never just did things indiscriminately. There was always a reason. He took advantage of every opportunity to teach these men. They were his disciples. And the Bible says in other course parts, you know, that he knew what was in the hearts of men. But now, now they leave the area. Now the verse, the next few verse says, and they came to Jerusalem. So he goes in Jerusalem and they have this whole encounter with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now verse 19, jump to verse 19. And when evening came on, his and his disciples, as a custom, went out of the city. So they'd go into the city, they came out of the city. Now verse 20, so they came out the next morning. In the morning, when they were passing along, they noticed that this same fig tree was withered completely away to its roots. Now that's what it says in the Amplified. And in lexicons, it says it was withered from its root up. And I tend to think that's far more accurate and also more important because he spoke death to something that had life and it withered from the roots up. And why I know that is the case is because God's word is spirit and it always goes to the spirit of a matter. And that's important because when he spoke to the fig tree initially, there was no initial outward change it was only a day later that they saw that the tree had withered and died. In other words, something, it's like cutting the tree off at the roots. It's a perfect example for us to understand. Now, this gets important because in prayer, there is speaking to, as opposed to asking for. There's all these things. Like I said, I don't want to muddy the waters right now because we're talking about just these things, but I still want to take advantage to speak to this just for the moment. In the morning when they were passing along, they noticed that the fig tree was withered completely to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Master, look, the fig tree, which you doomed or cursed, has withered away. He's, he's amazed. He's, look at that. Now here again, see, we have to make sure we don't just let this be some teaching. But it is a teaching, but it's a teaching that the Master himself, he turns to his disciples, and what does he say to them? It says in the Amplified, it says, have faith in God constantly. Now think about that for a moment. You're standing there. Let's, let's, let's just look at that for a second and analyze whether or not that makes sense. Look, look, let's say you're all walking with me. I curse a tree that's in the middle of the hallway you know, that we see here. Next Thursday we come and the tree is dead. And like you look at it and go, look, look, the tree you cursed, Rod, look at Rod, the tree you cursed has died from the roots up. And then I turned to everybody and say, yeah, have faith in God. What's that got? Okay. <laughs> what I mean is, can you see like, just like that, it sounds like, what's that got to do with, I just said, look at the tree that you've cursed. Now, in the Greek, it says this, have the God kind of faith. So what I'm wanting you just to look at, and please just don't, like I said, I don't want you to turn off because of how many times you may have heard it. See, I said again, Jesus never did anything indiscriminately. 
He's taking advantage of this situation to teach these men of his a principle. And he's telling them that they need to have what he has. And what he had was the God kind of faith. He was operating in the God kind of faith. And the God kind of faith is always released in words. Words, speaking to things, are part and parcel of what prayer will lead you to. Now, let me just read the next few verses because of the point that we do want to make here. Like I said, I don't want to... Uh, it says, And Jesus replied and said to them, Have faith in God constantly. Now, picture this, like I always say. Picture you're out walking on the road and you're looking at a tree. Now, watch Jesus in your mind's eye as he just turns and he kind of points over to a mountain that's nearby. And he said, Truly I tell you, whoever will say to this mountain, be lifted up, be thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. I mean, it's so powerful. You know, we've, we know this so well that we don't know it. Do you know what I'm saying? He said that if we would be a people that began to actually believe that what we said would come to pass, we would have what we say. There was an old teacher years ago by the name of Charles Capps, and he said something so profound. Now listen to this. He said, God, God said this. He said, I've told my people, this is God speaking, I told my people they can have what they say. But my people are saying what they have. <laughs> you don't need to say that to yourself a few times until you get it. I've told my people they can have what they say. But they're saying what they have. Constantly affirming the status quo. Creative power is in our words. All I know is God created heaven and the earth. But now watch. And then right in the midst of this very same thing where he's talking about the God kind of faith, he says this to them. For this reason, now watch that. This is why I wanted to, to just to give a little mini faith teaching there because he says in verse 24, for this reason. Now, so that has to be referring to what he's just expounded upon, right? 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 For this reason, I say to you, or I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that it is granted to you, and you will get it. The King James says, I have it on the outline. Let me read it from the outline in the King James. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He, who's he? 
the person that believes that the things which he saith will come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, now watch, he takes this law of faith and puts it into use instantly. Therefore, I say, <laughs> therefore, I say unto you. Are you ready? You hear what I'm trying to get at? He takes this law of the God kind of faith and then, and he says, for the reason, I've told you all this for this reason. I'm about to tell you something now. For this reason, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, not after. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Praise God. <laughs> this is why men have built entire ministries around this, you know, old Brother Hagin and so on, this in heaven now and others. But uh, think about it. I mean, you see, this is not his teaching. This is Jesus' teaching. But when you begin to, really, this is what, see, there's something about prayer. You can have, when we pray, see, and it all connects with, do you believe that he's heard you? Like we spoke about in the first hour. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, it says we should know with absolute settled persuasion or confidence that we have granted us as our, remember, present possessions. Did you hear that? Yeah. We have granted us as our present possessions. You got to remember, you see, it's, it's just, <laughs> I have to repeat myself so often, but it's because teaching comes by way of repetition. You have to, this is why I meditate so much on the fact that heaven is where everything is real. Remember? Heaven is reality. This is the creation. That's the realm of the creator. Remember? But see, we got to go over it over and over again. Everything that is seen, everything that is seen is made from something that is unseen. That's what it says in Hebrews. Right? Jesus is called the Word of God, and it says all things that were made were made by and through Him. Without Him, nothing that was made Nothing has been made without him. He's the word. In Hebrews again, all those things that are visible were made by those things that are, un that are invisible. And I mean, it's something that I just have to keep reminding myself of. You see, when I pray in the name of Jesus, I'm operating in the realm of the spirit. I cannot allow myself to be moved by some lack of physical evidence. When Jesus cursed that fig tree, he said, no man shall eat fruit of you hereafter forever. It didn't change a lick at that instant in time. There was no noticeable difference whatsoever. But trust me, something had happened. Didn't it? Didn't it? Yeah. Something happened because words are spiritual containers And those words of the Son of Man, the Son of God, those words of Spirit went right to the Spirit of the matter. Oh, please hear what I'm trying to get at here. When we pray, we need to pray in faith if we know the will of God, and we need to believe that we receive. We need to understand that while we may not see change right here, 
Something is at work. But God help us not to abort our faith. This is why we've got to get now to the next part. Now let me, let me just get Matthew 17, 19 to 20. I'll, I'll just let me read that real quick as far as again. Well, believe that you receive. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe all things, all things are possible to him that believeth. Matthew 17, 19, and 20, Then the disciples came to Jesus in private. This is when they failed to drive a demon out of a boy, out of a man, out of, a, out of this man's son. Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. You know what, when Rick Joyner, and I don't know if you heard him when he, we had him at the attorney, Rick said something that really struck my spirit. It was, it was anointed when he said it. He wasn't just saying it casually. He said, he said, actually, this is prophecy. He said, we will see this come to pass. He said, for this to be, this is going to have to be fulfilled. I can't tell you all the things that he said. But he said, before the return of the Lord, he said, somebody will speak to a mountain and a whole mountain will be removed. I just like that. So I just, just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> I want to tell you something. God is bigger than this earth because he made it. Do you hear me? And I'm telling you, all hell, and yeah, hell is magnifying its voice and filling the headlines with all of the power of evil and the power of this. But I got to tell you something. When it's all said and done, you know, you know as well as I, as well as I do. Don't ever doubt to see that God's not going to show up. That God's going to let himself be seen alive again by many infallible proofs. And whatever hell brings up with his magicians, you've got to understand, that's why Exodus is so important to read. Our God is going to show off. <laughs> Trust me, our God is going to show off. He will show off. Not because he needs any glory, but he's going to show who God is. Hallelujah. And all the naysayers and gainsayers, the Bible says, are going to have their mouth shut in an instant. Because he will show up. Now, that just makes me get fiery. I'm sorry, but it says he's going to show up, trust me, because uh, they can do it. It's, there's going to be a lot of suddenlies. You have to see all the words, how often the word suddenly is used in the New Testament. Suddenly. It's like when one of my favorite verses is, remember when the disciples got in the boat and the storm, uh, they were in a boat and there was a huge storm, but it says when Jesus got into the boat, immediately they were on the other side. Pow! They were just on the other side. And I'm just trying to tell you, that's prophetic. Jesus is about to get into some of our boats. <laughs> and when he does, there's going, to be a, there's going to be something happen so quick. There's so many suddenlies in Scripture. Hell wants you to be so full of doubt. Hell wants you to be so defeated. Hell wants you to think nothing's ever going to happen. And I'm telling you, it's a lie because Satan is the father of all lies. God is big. This is why... I tell you, people laugh at me, but again, when I was in Dallas this few weeks ago, this guy, he always, every time I come, he always remembers the message that I did when I talked about how big God is, and I just had this anointing on me, and I spent about 30 minutes walking back and forth in this church saying, God is huge. God is big, but he is. <laughs> but I just kept saying, God is huge. And I, I start, anytime I begin to get full of doubt, I go back to Isaiah, and I start around Isaiah 42, Isaiah 41, I read all the way through up Isaiah 48. And I mean, you just read all those passages in there. I am God, I change not. You know, who art thou, O Israel, that you should fear man and not fear me, and thou worm this and the worm that. And he says, and all those verses, and, he, and you just begin to see how big God is. 
And you can't read that and not get your faith built up. But he said here that when we pray, this is a law. Jesus put it into motion. He said, therefore, I say unto you, when you pray, believe that you receive. So when we pray, the base, one of the basic steps, something has to happen. We need to believe. This is like you've heard me share years ago. The Lord spoke to me. He said, son, he said, every single time you mention, you say in the name of Jesus, he said, all of heaven stands at attention. See, I meditate on those things. And that's what you have to get your own but I mean, I've shut my eyes so tight that I've seen that. You know what I mean? I, I see heaven. I see that that name causes heaven to stand at attention because it represents the son of the living God and the guy that's my savior, my Lord, the Lord of lords, king of kings. And there's something that has to happen, like I said, where we begin to, like I said, again, all I, can, I keep repeating myself, but where we connect, where when I pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, I know that he hears me. And I, I believe, I have to believe, you see, I have to believe, I have to believe that every single time I pray, something begins to shift. Hallelujah. I believe when I pray that I receive right now, not later. Well, do you believe anything happened? No, well, because after all, it's still there. I can't see any change. And see, so you have to get beyond that. You have to say, no, I've prayed. And this is now where the Bible says we have to be followers of those who through faith and patience receive the promises. Because again, there's this warfare. There's this something between this creative, this realm of creation and the realm of the creator that between spirit and flesh, there's this distance. And this distance is measured long or short, not by miles, but by faith. The measure that determines the length, the space between that in the intangible coming into the tangible, that in the realm that we think is ethereal coming to the realm that is physical is as far away as somebody's faith. It's amazing. When you think like scriptures, it says we have an inheritance, remember? It says this laid up in heaven, reserved rather. We have an inheritance that's reserved in heaven for us. It's waiting for us to make a withdrawal from. It says that all these, all that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. See, they're spirit, they're in spirit form, but they can come into physical form. I, I tell you, and oh man, I'm trying not to take so much time with this because I need to get on. Bobby Jean Merck is probably on. Has anybody ever heard of Bobby Jean Merck, a woman prophetess? She and I were at Bible school together at the same time. Incredible woman. Man, I mean, she, the whole intercessory purpose, she was in the midst of deep, deep things of intercession way back then before anybody ever, you never heard anybody talking about intercession. Bobby Jean was a powerful, she still is, and she, she just lives in Tacoa, Georgia, and she doesn't go around much and minister publicly because her strength is in private. But she was given a vision once. She saw, she, she was caught up into in, and you'd have to know her. This is a woman that walks in, again, deep, deep integrity. She's not up, she's not about, she's not the kind of person that's trying to flash somebody and make somebody think she's special. She just, she's a holy, holy woman. You can either believe me or not, but she is. She walks with God and she was caught up into heaven. And she kept hearing she was met by an angel and this angel was escorting her for visitation to the Lord. And she kept hearing these, she said these, whooshing sounds. And she said, what is, what's this noise I keep hearing? Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. 
And this angel said, she, he, he said, oh, oh, he said, he said, we need to speed up. And she said, what? And hmm, sped up. And as she did, these sounds went from whoosh, 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 like that. And they were angels rushing to and fro, just burning up the atmosphere, like screaming, coming from heaven to earth, and some coming from earth back to heaven, and just racing back and forth. And she said, when this angel caught her up, or slowed things down, or they sped up so she could see what was happening, because, you know, God operates in the realm of light, the light speed. These beings, she said, were racing back and forth, and as they came from heaven, she, now, again, I'm just telling you what she saw, okay? She said, I saw that they were carrying things. They had things. Many of them had things in their hands, in their arms. And she said, what is that? And he said, well, look. And she said she looked, and she was able to see. Some of them were carrying body parts. Some of them were carrying chests of things, and she didn't know what were in them. But she said the thing that amazed her, she saw like hearts and arms and stuff. And she said, what is this? And the angel said, this, these are angels, she said, that are ministering servants sent to, sent, sent to minister to the heirs of salvation, she said, that are flying to earth in response to the prayers of the saints. <laughs> and then she said she saw some angels that were just stopped, that they like skidded to halts, and they just had this, she said, the most horrific, forlorn, cast down look upon their faces that she'd ever seen. And she said, they just looked like this and they just looked so broken and their hands were full of things, but they looked so horrified and broken. And she said, what's this situation? And the angel that was leading her said, those are the angels whose missions have been stopped and been aborted because of the prayers of the saints. They've lost faith and they've aborted the missions of their angels. <laughs> I've never forgotten that. That painted a picture, a picture for me, you know, about really what, what does happen in the realm of the Spirit. And I don't know if you can believe that or not, but you know, <laughs> everything on earth is a, has a, you know, it's like the earthly tabernacle. The true tabernacle is in the heavenlies, remember? It says the earthly tabernacle was made from the pattern of the true tabernacle, which has its, its existence in the heavens. Things down here are only a pattern and a type of what has its reality up there. You know, all I know is we have a lot of couriers in this city. <laughs> They're spiritual couriers. You do with that what you want. I'm not trying to get airy-fairy or strange. But all I do know is, like I think I told you last week, the first teacher we always, we always had was this guy, Dr. Roy Hicks, that taught on how important it was to develop your spiritual imagination. And all I'm trying to tell you by this is that something you need, to you need to get before the Lord. And I don't mean get out there and get crazy. Some people do get wacky, trust me. But some things that seem foolish, I believe when we get to heaven, they weren't gonna, they're not, we're going to find out they weren't as foolish as we thought. I'm just trying to say, what makes it real for you? What will it take for you to stay connected? But all I know is it says we're to believe that we receive. And the next part is we're not to doubt. And step five is refuse to doubt. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. So we have to resist. That's what it says. Otherwise, that verse wouldn't be in there, right? It says you have to resist the devil. But never quote that verse, my friends, without quoting the first part of it first. Submit yourself to God. Because the power to resist the devil comes from the revelation of submission to God.
Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee. Now, that's the promise of the scriptures. He will flee from you. But James 1, verses 6 through 8, let's look at that. Let's turn to the book of James so I can read it from the Amplified as well. James chapter 4. I'm sorry, James chapter 1. apologize. In the King James, verses 6, 7, and 8, it says this. Well, verse 5 says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. Then verse 6 says, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave. Now just get the picture, see? Go to the sea in your mind right now. Go to the ocean and see these waves coming back and forth. It says, He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, how many of you know, again, I didn't write the Bible? Right? That's, that's in the book. Now, let me read it from the Amplified Bible. Verse 5, If any of you is deficient in wisdom... Let him ask of the giving God. See, I just love these little statements in the Amplified because it's right out of, like I said, on the bottom of the Amplified will show the lexicons. Let him ask of the giving God. Our God is a giving God. Let him ask of the giving God who gives to everybody liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding and it will be given him. Right? But then here's the condition. Now, I didn't put the condition in. God put the condition in. Like I said, in the earth here, we, we have exchanges via currency called money, right? We have money. We offer money and we get something in return. In heaven, the currency heaven uses is faith. You release faith to appropriate unto yourselves the things that heavenly ha heaven has for heavenly substances to become material substances. I, I didn't write the book. It's just the way it is. Only it must, now verse 6, listen to it. It says only, it says to ask of God, ask of the giving God, who does what? Who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly. Verse 6 so says, only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, listen, no hesitating, no doubting, for the one who wavers, who hesitates and doubts, is like the billowing surge out at sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. Now verse 8 says, For being as he is, a man of two minds. And we'll see this in the word study in just a second. For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable, unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, he feels, and decides. A double-minded man. Then now the next verse in the outline is 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 5, 3, 4, and 5. I'll just read them, then we'll go to the next page. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal weapons. See, they're spiritual weapons, and faith is a huge spiritual weapon. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I do a whole teaching on the progression of that thing. And again, I'm not, we're going to do that when I teach on faith, but just to give you a little preview of it, everybody preaches those, that verse in Corinthians from a negative vantage point. But the real important part is the part about imagination. But just first of all, it says, pulling down strongholds, look at me, pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, bringing every thought into captivity. You have a progression. Thoughts, if not dealt with, will lead to imaginations. Imaginations, what's the root word of imagination? Image. If you think about something long enough, you start getting pictures. If you don't learn how to cast down imaginations and every high thing, and here's the one part that we need to deal with here, and every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God, if you don't learn how to cast down imaginations, they'll lead to strongholds in your thinking. They will get a strong hold. You will begin to think that way, and as a man thinketh, so he is, he'll become. But the part is, is the part where it says, in casting down imaginations in every high thing. In Isaiah, it talks about Lucifer again, and it said that this is what he said back there in Isaiah. It says, I will be like the Most High. Remember? Listen. I will exalt. Listen to the words. I will exalt my throne above the throne of the Most High God. And, of course, when he did that is when God said, Oh, really? And poof! Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning out of heaven. He tried to bring himself above. But see, this is how he operates. What's, what, what are you supposed to do with your mind? You're supposed to renew your mind to the Word of God. The mind is considered the throne in many verses. <laughs> the Word of God is to set upon the throne, is to occupy the throne of your thinking. Satan's job is to listen exalt his knowledge above the knowledge of the Most High because all of this passage in Corinthians deals with the thought process and the thoughts of the mind. His job is to push up. In other words, here you've got God's Word. I'm the healed of the Lord. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. Here comes Satan exalting his knowledge. What's his knowledge? His knowledge is always coming from the flesh realm. He's a spirit, but he works through getting you locked into the flesh. Well, my flesh isn't healed yet. Well, my body hasn't changed yet. My finances haven't changed yet. So he pushes God's word out of that throne and he sits there until now you're, you're imagining what he wants you to imagine. But the thing is, we always teach that from a negative. Bad thoughts will lead to imaginations. You know, you get into lust, you know. And then, bless God, you'll get into a stronghold. You'll get into a place where, man, you just, that's where you think every time. But what I love about that passage is if that works negatively, you see, it'll work on the other side. It'll work on the positive side. If we can get you to think the thoughts of God long enough, pretty soon you'll start getting imaginations. You'll see yourself well. You'll start seeing yourself blessed. You'll see yourself doing okay. And if we can get you seeing it long enough, bless God, it can get so strong that you are persuaded beyond doubt. You'll have a positive stronghold in your thinking. Hallelujah. And I'm sorry, but that just makes me happy. <laughs> I mean, in other words, you go from just, I kind of believe this to I know it. It's, it's something I'm persuaded. I mean, I've got a conviction. This isn't just a preference. I've gone from what I prefer today to prefer tomorrow when I hear somebody else teach. No, I've studied the Bible. I've studied the Word. I've seen it. 
I've meditated on it to the point that man has flooded my mind. I've thought about it to the point that I've seen myself succeeding. And bless God, I've seen myself succeeding for so long, I can't not succeed because I got a stronghold in my mind. I got a stronghold in my thinking now. It's a stronghold on me. Hallelujah. You know what I mean? It's got the stronger hold on me. Where other things had a stronger hold on me, like Rod, you're going to be a heroin addict for the rest of your life. You spend the rest of your life in prison. I had a stronghold once that way. But God's Word had entrance into my spirit, turned my whole life upside down. But now, you know, I've got a life. <laughs> Hallelujah. The next page, the real word study on doubt. There's three Greek words in the New Testament on doubt. The first one is diakrino, which means, the only part I want to see, it means to withdraw from. And so the Bible says, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that doubts... The word doubt means to withdraw from. The other word there is ripto, R-H-I-P-T-O, which means to be tossed. And the reason I, I put these in is because they all speak to different things and different ways that we doubt. I li like in ripto, you see in the second sentence, it says, through the idea of a sudden motion. It, this is right from the Greek, from W.E. Vines. Uh, it says, from a sudden motion to fling with a quick toss. And it says it differs from the other word for doubt, which denotes a deliberate hurl. In other words, something thought about. And the reason I found that interesting is because, again, see, doubt can come, I don't know, it just can, some, it can come so quick. I mean, you can be in faith and something happened and you just going to, you don't even realize, you just, you just cast away your faith. That's why in Hebrews it's the word that says, cast not away your confidence because it hath great recompense of reward, but you have need of faith. Or rather, but you have need of patience that you might receive what God has promised. You can just cast your faith away in a moment. You pray and you say, I believe I receive in Jesus' name. But then you look back and you look and again, that fig tree is still there. And so as far as you're concerned, nothing's changed. It's not changing. No, you've got to say, no, it, it's, it is changing. Hallelujah. I have prayed, Father. And this is not about me following a formula. You're my dad. You said when I call you here, you said call upon me. You said I'm ever present help in time of trouble. I know you've listened. And I believe I receive in the name of Jesus Christ your hand upon this situation. Hallelujah. Amen. And what's amen mean? So be it. So be it. Hallelujah. I love this verse in Corinthians about prayer too that where Paul says this. It says, as many, listen to this, as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes answer in Christ Jesus. Amen. Is that good? Listen, as many as are the promises of God, they've all been answered yes when Jesus came. But then you know what he said? Do you remember what the last part of the verse says? Therefore, therefore, we utter the amen to it. Hallelujah. Now, I tell you, this, this, is, this is important too. You see, when I pray for others, I pray for them. I pray in their behalf. But when it comes to me, now listen, this is important. See, it gets difficult because the word pray kind of makes you think like you're going, oh, Lord. All the promises of God have been answered yes in Christ Jesus. Healing again is one of the ones. And uh, Was healing answered in Jesus? Yeah. 
himself took our infirmities. I, now, now don't stumble when I say I, see, this isn't, I don't, pr- I don't pray when I'm ill. I find the promise and I say amen to it when I'm dealing with myself. Because all the promises of God have been answered yes in Christ Jesus. So I am what my job is to do what? I utter the so be it. So what's, this is how I deal with me when it comes to me. Father, in the, your word says Jesus Christ himself took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. Your word says that by his stripes I was healed. Watch, this is what I do. So be it. Amen to it in my life. Amen to it in my life. So be it. So be it. See, that's just like Mark 11, when you think about it. It's releasing the God kind of faith. You have, I know it's your will because it's a done thing. It's what you have done. By His stripes, we have been healed. And you can't say that's just spiritual stuff because remember, Jesus, it said, healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet Isaiah, himself took our infirmities and he bare our sicknesses. I mean, it's talking about physical. So I don't pray for God to do what he's already done in Christ. I confess that promise and I confess that I see what's happened and I utter the amen to it because it's been answered in Christ. But now when I pray for somebody else, you see, it's kind of a combination. Like I said earlier, you have, to, you, have to, you have to sometimes stir up somebody else's faith. And, some, and this is why, again, see, you can't just categorize. You can't just make it a formula and do the same thing every time for the, every person because this is where being led of the Spirit comes in. But sometimes, you know, you pray for the sick, but even then it says... Call for the elders of the church, and the prayer, and they shall lay hands on the sick. And the prayer of faith, it says, or the prayer which is of faith, shall save the sick. It's the prayer which is of faith. There's a lot of prayers, but a lot of them aren't of any faith. <laughs> There's no faith in them. They're just going through the religious motion. But the prayer which is of faith, what's that mean? It means somebody's, it's the prayer that comes from somebody that's, who knows their God and is connected and is not just doing it. This is why, again, see, you come all the way back to Joshua 1. We're supposed to be meditating in this stuff all the time so that we're not doing things religiously. Do you hear me? Do you? Even a little bit? It's a journey we're all on. It's a journey we're all on. This is why I keep saying, see, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I, I wish it would happen overnight, but it doesn't happen overnight. I'm sorry. Don't get mad at me. It doesn't happen overnight. But don't say it doesn't happen because it does happen because people do walk in this, and I've seen it myself. I experienced it myself, but others have experienced it far more than I ever have, and I'm following them. <laughs> you hear me? I'm a follower of those who receive. I'm, why do you want to follow somebody that's not receiving the promises? Well, I go to that church because... I pray and I never get healed and they pray and they never get healed so we all believe the same. <laughs> so we all go to church because, you know, the church of the first misery now. You know, uh, you know the church of the frozen chosen. The church of the high tower, you know, you know no power. 
all that kind of stuff. You know, that, you, you know, because people will flock together with other people of like precious faith. So if you don't believe anything, you like being around other people that don't believe anything because you can all believe alike then and pat each other on the back and say, see, we all believe the same because none of us ever experienced it. See, it takes some backbone to realize, well, wait a second, I don't care if only one person's ever done it. If one person has done it, it can be done. But it takes backbone because we're in a world that's shrouded in darkness and we do have an enemy and all these people say there's no such thing as spiritual warfare need to wake up. Because there is a warfare, and there is, and a lot of the warfare is just this. We fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight to walk in faith because the world's pressures, the contrary winds. Most of the church is telling us the Bible is, that's all past. It's all past with the apostles when they died. It's all over. No. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Let him come to the giving God. I love it. The giving God who giveth liberally and ungrudgingly. He's a giving God. But the issue is we have to come through this currency called faith. And then we refuse to doubt. So this next step, like I said, you refuse. I just refuse to doubt. Listen to the old, listen, I didn't come up with this. Like I said, I think it's Charles Capps, the first one that said it, but I love the old statements. Listen, if you'll feed your faith, you'll starve your doubt to death. Feed your faith and starve your doubt to death because you're feeding one of the two. If you feed your doubt, your doubt will grow. If you feed your faith, your faith will grow. It's your choice what you want to feed. <laughs> you hear me? You can either feed that dog or you can feed, <laughs> I don't know, feed something else better. Hallelujah. Uh, the next word where it says double-minded is the, the same word. It's the word dipsukos, <laughs> which literally means, because the word D-I-P means two, it means to be two-spirited, to vacillate, to be double-minded. And I put in bold this two little parts because it's funny. It says in arrow, A-I-R-O, it comes from this primary root, which means in the last bit, especially to sail away, to weigh anchor. And I tell you, it doesn't take much for doubt to come, and if you give it place, if you give place to the devil, you'll sail. It's like you just weigh anchor, and you'll move away from faith, just like that. Two minds. You'll be in two minds. One day you believe this, one day you believe that. That's doubt. Step six, meditate on the promises. We've got to stop. We've only got two minutes, and this is very similar again to the other one, Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear. Incline. I mean, you got to do this. Look at me. I know it's silly. This is what my first spiritual father did. I think I already told you before. He'd grab his ear all the time. He'd have a Bible in his hand. He said, you got to incline your ear. you got to incline your ear. And I'm telling you, you got to get your ear and you got to incline it to this. You hear me? You hear me? That's what it means. Incline your ear to the Word of God. You know, if you wrap yourself around a big enough Bible, you can't hear anything else. <laughs> Hallelujah. I remember one day, that I tried to do this real quick. I, was, I had my problem. I had all these bills sitting here like this. And I was going nuts, man. And God said, lift your Bible up. And I said, what? And I, thought, I said, what? And he said, lift your Bible up. So I lifted my Bible up. He said, now look at your bills. And I, so I looked at him. He said, I said, lift your Bible up. So I lifted my Bible up. 
He said, now look at your bills. And I looked at him. He said, I said, lift your Bible up. So I lifted it up. And he said, leave it there. Now look at your bills. And I said, well, I can't see him. And he goes, do not let it depart from before you. I've never forgotten that. He deals with me real simple because I guess I'm just a dummy. But he said, just don't let it depart from before your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Because if you keep looking at this, see, if I, what happens is you might see that, but you'll see it through this. And through this it says all my needs are met according to his riches and glory. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those that find them health or all the flesh. John 15, 7. Abide in me. My words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Next page, step seven. The final step in answered prayer is really, really understand what it means to give God praise. I mean, thank God. Smith Wigglesworth said, if you pray ten times for the same thing, nine times you're in unbelief. He said, every time it comes to your mind, after you prayed, after you believed that you received, after you've said amen, so be it. When the doubts come, that's when you don't necessarily pray again. That's when you start saying, praise God, he heard me. He heard me on April 20th, 2005. I prayed, I believed, I received, and hallelujah, I thank you, Father. I bless your name, Lord, that you heard me. I thank you that things are working. I don't see it, but things are working in the realm of the Spirit. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all, not for, but in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Proverbs, Psalm 8.2, of course, from the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. And you've heard me say many times, praise, it says in the Greek there, it says, shuts the mouth of your enemies. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And we trust that you've helped us a little bit, Father. Thank you. Teach us how to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You have reached the end of this lesson. Please insert the next lesson to continue.